Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Chronicles 25 and also to 2 Kings 14? We'll be looking at the separate accounts of the same event as we have been. So, Amaziah, his reign, he's the king of Judah, the new king. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 16, and then over in 2 Kings 14, we'll be looking at the first seven verses and talk about some stuff while we look at it. When he was 25 years old, Amaziah became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoiada of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, but not wholeheartedly. What, what, there, there should be one thing that we constantly extract, and maybe it's the, well, I will say the main thing because the main thing is uh, God's divine protection of Israel and, and his covenant and so forth. But another thing that's high up on the list to take note of <clears throat> is how Yahweh puts a great deal of importance on national leadership. The leader of a nation asserts influence. It's just going to be that way. Every person has bias. We're always biased in any opinion. We can try to be neutral on something and we can try to be objective or whatever. But it's never going to be completely that way. And the reason I say that is because we also see how when these, these guys get old enough, they become king, something in their past has had an influence on them. And they can never completely separate themselves from their upbringing, really. So it's, it's never wrong to consider the background of a person who wants to be a leader. He brings with him bias. So it's, it's better that in the case of the kings here, it's better that that bias is more toward Yahweh than not so much toward Yahweh. It generally affects, we'll see this as we go, we've already seen it. This bias from a national leader generally affects policy, and people. Everybody in a nation has to live under the policy or policies of the national leader. In the case of uh, Judah, it's the king. Now we have seen that for the most part, the kings of Judah have been good, generally speaking. Been some, but now lately, they're beginning to tend toward evil. You'll notice here, 
Amaziah did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, but not wholeheartedly. There was something in him that held back a little bit in his service as king. He's son of David, the southern kingdom of Judah, spiritually speaking, is the only hope that the world has. Because Yahweh speaks through the prophets, even through the kings, and of course, the priests interpret and apply the Torah, the law of Moses, and all of the worship and the service and rituals of, uh, of God's people in the temple. And all of that comes together to make the nation what it is. Now, if one of those fails... It's, it's, it's bad. If two of them fails, if two of them fail, it's exponentially worse. If, if all three of them are not there. And this, this is what happens for the most part in the time of Ezekiel, for example. The, the priesthood totally failed. They, were, they, they became idolaters. And the kings had just the kings had just sold themselves out to the world. And so the people in the nation were weakened and finally were carried off into captivity. Here, when it says not wholeheartedly, it begins to show us how things that we've already studied that would affect this young guy's life have had such an effect on him that uh, his appointment of counselors, for example, uh, his actions, his policies, those things have an effect on the people as well. Well, we continue in verse three. It was when the kingdom became well established with him that he executed his servants, uh, that he executed his servants who had assassinated the king, his father. So he found them and uh, he had them put to death. But their sons he did not execute, for as is written in the Torah, the book of Moses, that Yahweh had commanded, saying, Fathers shall not die for sons, nor shall sons die for fathers, but each man shall die for his own sin. Now Amaziah gathered Judah and stood them up according to their father's houses, according to the chiefs of the thousands and the chiefs of the hundreds for all Judah and Benjamin. And he counted them from 20 years old and upward. And he found them, among them, he found 300,000 young men who go out to army. They were fit uh, to go out to army. They were strong and fit who could hold a spear and a shield. So he, he conscripted 300,000 new men into uh, his army. And he hired of Israel, the northern kingdom, 100,000 mighty warriors for a hundred talents of silver. So now he hires mercenaries and the most likely people that would do the best job for him were from Israel. A man of God came to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel come with you for Yahweh is not with Israel even with all the sons of Ephraim. Now you see what the prophet says. The prophet says these people, 
will bring bad influence. They are, they are, they are sold out into their idolatry. Things are not well spiritually in Israel. And you don't need to bring them and mix them with uh, the soldiers of Judah. You see, it, it just can't be talked about enough. This, this um, worship, so-called, of Baal and Ashtar. The, the, it was just... It, it was like, I don't know, how, how do you say it? It was like a, it was a, like a brothel and a striptease joint. And what other ugly thing can I think of that promotes sexual misbehavior? It was like that everywhere and people were drawn to it because there was some kind of element of worship to it that praised Baal or Baalim, the Baals. Now, here, the man of God gives him the warning and he says, don't do this. But if you come, do strengthen yourself for war, uh, lest Elohim cause you to stumble before the enemy. For Elohim has strength to help or to cause to stumble. Tremendous statement that rings true in the life of and reign of every king. And it's stated here very bluntly and plainly. Yahweh is in, is in control of these things. And he can, he can strengthen you and help you and make you victorious. Or he can take all that away from you. And you can collapse. Amaziah said to the man of God... What shall I do about the hundred talents that I gave the Israelite troop? Man of God replied, Yahweh has much more than this to give you. <laughs> Why are you worried about a big chunk of money? God has all the money. God can replace that and then more. So don't worry about it. And Amaziah separated the troop that had come to him from Ephraim. Go to their place. And they were very angry with Judah. They returned to their place in fierce anger. And Amaziah strengthened himself and led his people. And he went to the valley of salt. And he smote the children of Seir 10,000. And the sons of Judah captured 10,000 alive. And they brought them to the top of the rock. They cast them from the top of the rock. And they were all split open. The members of the troop that Amaziah had sent back that they should not go with him to war, raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon. And they smote 3,000 of them and plundered much booty. And it was after Amaziah had come from smiting the Edomites that he brought the gods of the sons of Seir to set them up for himself for gods. He prostrated himself before them and burned incense to them. What's with this guy? You remember? It started out, it said, he did good, but not completely. When we get to the end of this, it says, everything that he did was recorded, both the things of his first part of his life and the things of his last part of his life. So this brings us into the last 
the last part of his years, he brings idolatry into the place. To himself, he worships them, burns incense to them. And Yahweh became wroth with Amaziah. And he sent him a prophet. And he said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people who did not save their people from your hand? This is foolish. Why have you done such a thing? And it was when he spoke to him that he replied to him, did we make you an advisor to the king? Desist. Why should they smite? In other words, ain't you got some prophet? Ain't you got somewhere else to be? And we don't need to hear from you. Desist. Why should they smite you? So the prophet desisted. And he said, I know that Elohim has given counsel to destroy you because you've done this. You've not heeded my counsel. Now let's see what 2 Kings says about this in 14 verses 1 through 7. Second year of Joash, the king of Jehoiaz, the king of Israel, Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, became king. Now note how there is... um, close identification with, the, with regard to the record of both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom because all of it makes up the 12 tribes with whom God has established a covenant, the seed of Abraham. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His, mother na- his mother's name was Jehoiada of Jerusalem and he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. However, not like his father David, like all that Joash, his father did, he did. So he wasn't completely committed. However, the high places were not removed. The people were still slaughtering sacrifices and burning incense on the high places. Now this tells us that the king had the uh, latitude, he had the prerogative, he had the power to stop all of that. But he didn't. And it was when the kingdom became well established in his hand that he slew his servants who had assassinated uh, his father. But the sons of the assassins he did not execute as it was written, as it is written in the book of the Torah of Moses, which Yahweh commanded saying, father shall not put to death, uh, be put to death for sons, nor sons be put to death for fathers, but each man shall be put to death for his own sin. He struck down 10,000 of the Edomites the Valley of Salt, and he seized the rock in battle, and he called its name Jochel until this day. Okay, now here's what happens. This guy, Amaziah, he has, he has committed grievous sin in the eyes of Yahweh. He has, he has now forsaken the way of Yahweh, and he has set up for himself a worship of false gods and has burned incense to them. Time passes. Yahweh never forgets. So now we go down to verses 17 through 24 and verses 8 through 14 in 2 Kings 14. Amaziah, the king of Judah, took counsel. He sent to Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, come and let us confront each other. (laughs) Let me invite you to a war. Joash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, the king of Judah, saying, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son for a wife. And the wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. In other words, you're like a dog chasing an 18-wheeler. You don't know what you're doing. And he tries to talk him out of this war. And you said that, behold, you have defeated Edom 
and your heart has made you haughty to, to seek glory. Now stay in your home. Why should you provoke evil and fall, you and Judah with you? Now he gave him the warning because this is not going to end well for Judah. Amaziah did not heed because this was from Elohim in order to deliver them into their hands for they had sought the gods of Edom. Do you see what that says? That says that Yahweh, without this king knowing it, directed him to challenge this guy to a war because God was going to make him lose the war and be ashamed. You see this? And what was the, what was the reason? Because he sought the gods of Edom. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, the Bible says. It was from Elohim. Joash, king of Israel, went up. They confronted one another. He and Amaziah, the king of Judah, and Beshemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was beaten before Israel. They fled each man to his own tent. Joash, the king of Israel, seized Amaziah, the king of Judah, the son of Joash, the king of Jehoiaz, and Beshemesh. And he brought him to Jerusalem and breached the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim until the corner gate, 400 cubits. He broke down the wall in Jerusalem. And he took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found uh, in the house of Elohim with Obed-Edom. Now, Obed-Edom was responsible for overseeing all of these treasure, treasures. And the treasures of the king's palace and the hostage children, the hostages, hostages, the hostages, hostages is what it really reads. But in other words, he took entire families. He took hostages along with their children. And he returned to Samaria. Now, the people who lived in Jerusalem would have been the important elite of the king's council. In the, in the capital city, you always had the, uh, the upper level of those who controlled the government, who controlled the economy and all this kind of thing, military. And so what did he do? Well, he went in, he breached the city. This is an unusual thing. He breached the city, took the king captive and carried away all of these hostages. And in doing so, he tore down a part of the wall. And then he took, uh, and then he took the, the gold, the silver, and all the vessels that were in the house of God. Now think about this. We saw way back, and this started back in the time of David. Whenever a king of Judah, where the temple was, would defeat an enemy, and he plundered the enemy and took all their gold and silver and all their stuff that was worth something, he would use what he had to use to cover the costs and apply a little to himself and, of course, for his soldiers. But the great portion of it, he put it in the temple. So the temple in, those, in this era could be filled with, with all kinds of gold and silver and uh, valuable treasures. Well, this guy knew that. And he goes right to the house of God. And he takes all the gold and silver and all the vessels found in the house of God. So... All of the reserves, if you want to call it that, all of these reserves, this is a, a massive amount 
of, uh, of treasure. He, he takes it. Now, I told you to take note of a, of a verse, a few verses earlier, because the king of Israel said something like this. Remember, I told you so. And now he's, he's carrying through on what he warned him. And it's all a judgment. We saw this. It's all a judgment from God, right? Now we go to 2 Kings 14. Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, the son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, the king of Israel, saying, come, let us confront each other. Jehoash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, the king, Amaziah, the king of Judah, saying, the thistle was in Lebanon, the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, give your daughter to my son for a wife. And the wild beast that was in Lebanon came and trampled the thistle. You have defeated the Edomites and your heart has made you arrogant. Retain your honor by staying at home. Why should you provoke evil and fall you and Judah with you? Now, let me say this. Jeroboam is about to come to the throne here in the next chapter or so. Jeroboam assumed the throne of a very strong nation, Israel. And he reigned for uh, 41 or 42 years. And he only made it stronger so that by the time he was at the pinnacle of his reign in the northern kingdom of Israel, Israel was unquestionably the most powerful nation in the world that they knew in that time. So already it's a strong nation. And that's why the king could say to Amaziah, you don't know what you're doing. We've, we've been building up and... Uh, you know, you, you, you don't want any of us. And Amaziah went ahead anyway, right? They confronted one another. Uh, he and Amaziah, the king of Judah, in Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was beaten before Israel. And they fled each man to his dwelling places. Jehoash, king of Israel, seized Amaziah, king of Judah, son of Jehoash, son of Ahaziah, in Beth Shemesh. And he came to Jerusalem he breached the wall of Jerusalem at the gate of Ephraim until the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of Yahweh and in the treasuries of the king's palace and the hostage children. And he returned to Samaria. He greatly enriched himself. Now this, this wealth will be used in time to come to continue to build the nation of the northern kingdom of Israel. And it gets into the time of Hosea and Amos uh, during that time. Uh, and the wealth, interestingly, the prophet comes and he says, your wealth has spoiled you. And God says to Hosea, the more I gave them, the more they sinned against me. So if you can see the judgment of God even working now, through the victory of Israel over Judah because the treasuries, the treasures that he brought back further greatly enriches the northern kingdom and is used to build them in tremendous ways, their infrastructure, their, their military uh, and their economy. But as they get wealthier because of this great start they get here, that wealth spoils them and turns them even further away from Yahweh. So we already begin to see the hand of God's judgment, although it's not yet recorded here. But if we 
if we know what's going to happen, uh, and we do because we have the word of God, we can see how this is going to eventually work against the northern kingdom of Israel. I mean, he took all of it. This, the, writer to the, the writer of Kings says he not only took the treasuries of the temple, he took all the king's money, all the treasures that the king had, he took it all. And then, to add insult to injury, he carried off what probably were the most prominent people in Judah along with their children. So there was a big leadership gap here, a vacuum at this moment uh, in, in, uh, in Judah. And it says, and he returned to Samaria. And so now the record is given of the death of Jehoash and then Amaziah. So we go back to 2 Chronicles 25. Amaziah, the king of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, the king of Israel. The rest of the deeds of Amaziah, both, now here it is, both the earlier ones and the later ones. You see how the Lord separates that? We're going to record he started off good, but he sure didn't end up good. Are they now written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? And from the time that Amaziah turned away from following Yahweh, they conspired against him in Jerusalem. He fled to Lachish and they sent after him to Lachish and assassinated him there. They carried him on the horses. They buried him with his forefathers in the city of Judah. Now in 2 Kings, we also have the account of the death of the, of the king of the north, northern kingdom. The rest of the deeds of Jehoash, which he performed in his and his might and how he fought with Amaziah, the king of Judah, are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. And Jehoash slept with his forefathers. He was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. And Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, look back up here. It says uh, all that he performed and his might. So he already is the king. He has already built the nation into a strong nation. But it doesn't compare to what his son will do, Jeroboam, in what he does during his reign in the northern uh, kingdom. And uh, Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash, the son of Jehoash, the king of Israel. And the rest of the deeds of Amaziah are written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah. And they revolted against him in Jerusalem. He fled to Lachish. They sent after him to Lachish and assassinated him there. And they carried him on the horses. He was buried in Jerusalem with his forefathers in the city of David. So they revolted against him because he was a miserable failure. He started out seemingly well, but he wound up a failure. And the turning point, what turned him from being a man following the Lord and a success, what turned all that around is the fact that he brought back idols and, and brought back a worship of false gods. And he, he then was humiliated by the, by, the, by the king of the northern kingdom. And the people finally revolted and they, they killed him. Okay, we're going to stop there and uh, we'll have our deacon prayer time.